0: I'm going to ask you a question, but I don't want you to answer me out loud, okay? What is the greatest thing, most valuable, one thing in your life that you would say is the most valuable? The one thing in your life that is the most valuable, and again, don't answer me out loud, but just just think about what that is to you sat here today. And I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through this teaching today, because we're going to revisit it later on. So we come to our passage, and we're going to look at it a bit further later on. But behind this passage is a man called Paul, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians, people who are new Christians in Philippi called the Philippians. And he, and he writes to them because he, he has seen them as a, a community of believers that have just got hold of Jesus, what it means to, to love Jesus and to follow him. Because these guys are being persecuted because they live in a Roman colony whose values are very different to that of Christ, and they're learning what it means to, to follow him. But Paul was a man whose, whose life was radically transformed by a person, radically transformed by a person, and that person's Jesus. You know, he has this amazing encounter with Jesus, and he is completely changed by him. But for Paul, that wasn't enough. You know, for Paul, he was then called to go and take that message out to everybody, to the whole world. And so what this is what he does. He writes to the Philippians, and he wants them to understand what transforming grace is, what transforming grace looks like in our lives because that's what he'd experienced, that's what it looked like for him, that he was completely transformed by grace, by something that Jesus had done. And so the gospel for Paul was something that had got hold of him, but it was also transforming him, but also was becoming a message that he was called to share. And so he writes to the Philippians and says, let me, let me remind you about what this grace looks like. And so the first couple of chapters is that. It's just shaping their understanding of what grace looks like, what it means to be saved by Jesus. But also then he calls them to live in light of that gospel, live in light of that revelation that they'd received. So it's in this context that we're led to the verse of the year. I don't know if you've given much thought to the verse of the year yet. It's been up there a couple of weeks. But let me just take you back to the passage again and uh, read this to you just to stress the context in which it exists. So Paul's writing to these new Christians, and he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yeah. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And he goes on to say, not that I've already obtained all this, Put your hand up if you've ever won a prize. Yeah, a few people. You know, we, we, when, you, when you see that a prize is good, when it's worth entering something for, you will do it, won't you? Because you, you set your heart on the thing that is ahead of you, so you will put stuff into something, knowing that there is a prize to be achieved. And Paul has got this mindset. He knows that his upward call in Christ is heaven. His upward call, as he says in, in Philippians, is the resurrection from the dead, is eternal life. It's going to be a, a time when he's going to spend eternity with Jesus. You know, this was the prize for him. It wasn't a material prize, it was a person. It was the knowledge of Jesus himself and spending time with him for eternity. And so Paul is wanting to shift these people's thinking from the here and now to heaven. He wants them to think about heaven and how they might live here on earth in light of heaven. You know, he expected this knowledge to truly transform them because grace should transform your life. You know, Paul says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's some statement, isn't it? You know, will we consider everything that we have a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. But when he's talking about knowing Jesus, it's not about knowing him when he arrives in heaven. That's not what he's talking about in this passage, although he will do. He's talking about what it means to know Jesus here on earth as you walk your lives out with him and in him. You know, This is about the person of Jesus. You know, the knowledge of Jesus is not just about reading information about him. You could read the Gospels, You could read all the Gospels, you could read books about Jesus, but it doesn't mean you know him, does it? It doesn't mean you know him. That knowing Jesus is an encounter of him and walking with him in our everyday lives. And so this is the call that he gives to the Philippians, but obviously now also for us. this This is the pursuit that we see in this verse. The straining forward, the pursuing. It's the pursuing of a person. It's the pursuing of Jesus himself. 1 Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says, and which is our verse. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, heaven. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. How much do you think about heaven? Just, just think about this last year. How much do you think about heaven? Quite a lot. Quite a lot. The nearer we get, the more we think about it. It's a bit like that. Sorry, Fred. <laughs> I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about me. But <laughs> that was mean, and I meant me. Um, no, but the closer we get to heaven, obviously we think about it more. You know, little kids don't think about heaven as much as older people do. But we should do. All of us should think about heaven. All of us should be thinking about what we are striving and pursuing for, because one day we will be there and we will encounter Christ. We will see him as he is. But that should affect everything that we are here. Then it might transform us, it might transform everything here on earth. Because it should give us a new perspective on what matters here on earth. Our view of heaven. C.S. Lewis once said, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. That's some quote, isn't it? This is what we're about, is, is looking forward to heaven, knowing that all of this life will end up there. Knowing him, seeing him, and spending eternity with Jesus. And this is what C.S. Lewis is trying to capture, that this has to affect everything that we are here on earth. It should change our perspective. You know, we have to remember, though, that heaven isn't just a place that we're going to go to, is it? That the whole of Jesus' ministry was about what? It was about bringing heaven to earth. It was about the proclamation and the demonstration of the kingdom of God or, as the New Testament also says, the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is just God's rule and reign in our lives, as opposed to the enemy's rule and reign over us, that we seek God's rule and reign over us here on earth, and we're called to send that out and give that out to others. And we see this in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? The Lord's Prayer says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's a real link there between how we think of, heaven as a place we're going to go to and how we live in light of that day you know for me this sermon should be living in light of heaven living in light of heaven this is this is the verse that we have for a year, for the next year is living in light of heaven that place that one day we will be with him but as we live like that it should affect everything that you are you know, is, is your view of heaven, the way that God is, the, his ways, is that shaping everything that you are today? Is it affecting the way you love God? Is it affecting the way you love your family, your friends, your neighbours, the poor, the lost, the lonely? Is that shaping everything that you are? Because the fact that we know Jesus, the fact that we have received his grace, should make us see life very, very differently. And the thing it should most do is shape our affections. Colossians 3, 1-2 to says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. You know, this phrase, set your mind on things above, in the, the King James Version, it says, set your affection on things above. Set your affections on things above. Just think about things that you're affectionate about. You have affection towards. Just think about those things. What do you have affection for in this life? Because what you have affection for, you will give your time to, won't you? You will change your priorities when you have affection for something, whether that's grandchildren, whether that's work, whatever that is for you, that will change how you live out your life because they are the things that you most value. The most things that most move you in life. You know, when you are moved by something, you want to respond. And this is what Paul is trying to capture here in Colossians as well, is that when your affections are for Jesus, it will affect how you live. It will affect what you do with your spare time, what you do with your family, what you do with your hobbies, what you do with your money, what you do in church, how you serve people. It will it'll affect everything. But ultimately what God wants is for our affections to be for Jesus and for his church, and for his kingdom. On the next slide, you'll see, Oh, keep going, Sonia, sorry. On this next slide, you'll see this picture, it says, at the bottom, if you can't see it, it says, identity issues. You know, we, we see Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. But what, what is he leaving behind? What's, have you ever thought about that? In this verse, what is Paul leaving behind? He's leaving behind his former self. We've all in this room got a former self. You know, that life that we led before we encountered Christ. But for some of you in the room, it will be even the last few years of being a Christian. The former years, these last few years of walking with Jesus, that that we've had different things that have happened during that time. And what Paul is doing specifically in this is he's looking back and he's looking at who he was, but he's looking at the things that made him who he was, his identity. You know, He says in chapter 3 earlier, he says, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider them garbage, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. This encounter that Paul has with Jesus causes him to look back and he sees where he was drawing his merit. His value. He was drawing his value from all these things that were counted valuable by the world. And he looks at that stuff and he says, you know what, that stuff is not enough. I need Jesus. I need the power of his resurrection to live in me and to transform me that I might know God, that I might be right with God. And so a question for us today is, what are you resting on for your right relationship with God? And this might might vary from day to day, from year to year. Sometimes we can just recognize that we do loads in church, we do loads of good stuff in the community, and that starts to make you feel right with God. But what that negates is the sufficiency of Jesus, that he is enough for us to be everything that we need for salvation. That as good as all those things are, those things do not give us eternal life, do they? And this is what Paul is seeing. But for some of us here, you might look back at these last few years and you might go, do you know what? There's nothing good I see. There's nothing good I see of myself. But the good news of the gospel is there's nothing that you need to be to inherit eternal life, to know his goodness, to know the love of Jesus in your life today. Even as a Christian, for those of us who are saved, living out your life with Jesus does not depend on how you feel about yourself, but who you are now in Jesus. And Paul Paul gets that as he's trying to communicate this um, to the Philippians. The Christian life is not primarily about behavior modification. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can just try and behave better. Thinking if I can just behave better, if I can just do what it says in the Bible, maybe that will give me closeness to God. I don't know if you've ever tried to live out like that, but that's tiring. It's tiring just living from that standpoint. Has anybody had someone who who just loves them? Whether that's a spouse, a friend, you know, when you are truly loved by somebody, what do you want to do? You want to love back, don't you? When you are when you truly know love from somebody, you want to respond to them with love back. You want to do best by that person because you love them, but primarily because you've loved, you've been loved by them. So your love for them is a response, isn't it? And this is what it's like with the gospel, that Paul is looking at his life going, do you know what, I'm different now. I want to I be holy. I want to be different. I want to be like Jesus. Not because that stuff is going to give me a right relationship with God, but because I have a right relationship with God, because he's poured out his grace into my life. And because of that, I'm going to be sold out for Jesus. I'm going to live my life for him, that I might honor him with all that I am. So we're not about behavior modification, but we're about grace-fueled transformation. Because God still wants us to be transformed, doesn't he? But he wants us to be transformed by grace. And so when we approach God, we don't approach him going, well, this is, this is all that I've done. We go, this is all that Jesus has done. And we thank him for that. And we say, because of that, let me be transformed by your grace. We want to live lives and lead our lives in view of who Jesus is not anything that we have. You know, Paul wants us to be clothed in this new identity, like this guy on the screen. He's got a new identity, he's wearing a new identity. And this, this verse of the year that we've got on the, on the board here, you know, this isn't just a verse for us to memorize over this next year. It's so tempting with a verse of the year, to get six months in and go, I've memorized it, I've memorized it, I know it. But that, that's not the aim, is it? The aim is not to memorize the verse of the year, The aim is to be transformed by what the verse of the year says. In ourselves, in the core of who we are, that we might live for Christ, but also as a church, that as a church we might respond to the grace that he has poured out into our lives. So, going back to my original question what is the one thing that is most valuable to you in this life? Yeah, for Paul, the answer was obvious. If any of you have been in Sunday school for a number of years, you know the answer is always Jesus. Jesus. For Paul, the answer is obvious. It's Jesus. The most valuable thing for him was Jesus, and that's his call to the church, is to value Jesus above any other thing. Our call is to seek him, to set our affections on him as our king, and the things of his kingdom. You know, we're to forget what is behind Because there's so much in our past that could try and shape us, isn't there? Mistakes that we've made, achievements that we've made. But what Jesus says is, let me transform you by let me walk with you and transforming you. So we, we move on from that. But the greatest thing is we also get to draw other people into that as well. So as Jesus says, we seek his kingdom first, and then he adds all things to us. And so it's not the things that, all those things that you had in your mind when we started off this service, when I said, what's the one thing? I imagine those things that you had in your mind, hopefully, are good things. Hopefully, are good things. For some of you, that might have been family. It might have been children. It may have been grandchildren. It may have been work. It may even been church. It may have been just all these great things that we have in life. They're not bad things, are they? But first of all, what we are to seek is him. The thing who has the greatest and the person that has the greatest value to us in this life is Jesus. We pursue him and his kingdom and his word and his transforming power in our lives, the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives, that we might become him. And in that process, what happens is he allows us to have those good gifts. That we value him first and then we have a right perspective then. Of the things that he allows us to have, whether that's family or work or happiness or health, whatever those things might be. So we honor first the giver before we value the gifts. That's worship, isn't it? So moving forward into 2020, I came across a helpful quote from Nikki Gumbel. I thought this was just helpful in moving forward in our next year together. Nikki Gumbel says, Look back and thank God, look forward. And trust God. Look around and serve God. Look up and seek God. I'll say that again. He says, Look back and thank God. Look forward and trust God. Look around and serve God. Look up and seek God. I think that's really helpful. You know, moving forward for us into 2020. You know, Steve said last week in his sermon that we, for those of us who know Jesus or are discovering Jesus, we all have a story to tell. You know, each one of you have a story to tell about Jesus, about how you've encountered him, how he's changing your life, how you now have the hope of eternal life in him. You all have that story if you know Jesus here today. But the greatest thing that you also have now, whilst here on earth, is sharing that story with others. That this, this was Paul's passion in this, that when we think about heaven, we think about other people going there with us. And that we have this story to tell, to draw people, for them to encounter Jesus, for them to encounter what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And so for this next year and for the rest of our lives, are we willing to give our lives to this? Are we willing to give our lives to Jesus and his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? As the band come up, let's just pray. Let's just take a moment just to think about that one thing. Holy Spirit, I pray as you, you move amongst us, you. Lord, as we, um, we know your presence, Lord, we, we also know your mercy and your goodness towards us. Lord, no matter what belongs to yesterday, what affections we've had for the things of this world. Lord, let this be a day where we have affection for you. That our primary affection is for you and your kingdom. Lord, let our lives be transformed by grace. Let us be a people who love you. Let us be a people who are devoted to you. Let us be a people who can look to heaven with a full assurance of what Jesus has done that the same power that raised you, Jesus, from the dead is that power that lives in us and will bring us to heaven. Lord, we want to be a people that live in light of that. We want to be a people who are transformed by that message. So, Lord, I thank you for this new day. Lord, I thank you that your mercies are new every day. So, Lord, take us forward as a church. Lord, take us forward as individuals who have been saved by grace.